Hi, I'm Kelsey Zeiser. Welcome to What's the Story, a short podcast from Light Reading, where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. Today, I'm talking with Jeff Baumgartner about the rise of independent suppliers of operating systems for smart TVs and what their entry into the market could mean for incumbent suppliers. We also take a look at Comcast and Charter's mobile strategies and discuss the benefits of bundling services. Welcome to What's the Story? Thanks for joining me, Jeff. Hey, Kelsey. Good to be here once again. Yeah. How's it going? Is it feeling any more like fall over where you are? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, it's still a little warm, uh, so, some rain here and there. But uh, yeah, it's kind of been a little bit of a scorcher. So I don't think we're we're quite all the way through it. Yeah, yeah same here. I know people want to put their pumpkins out, but <laughs> hang on just a little longer. It doesn't feel, yeah, pumpkin weather yet, you know. No. You kind of have a little... <laughs> coolness in the air to do that but hopefully we'll get there soon yeah Yeah, for sure um well you have some uh updates this week on some independent suppliers of operating systems for smart tvs um what's going on in that market can you give us a little update yeah so yeah there's been a lot of activity in kind of the world of operating systems for smart tvs and much of the recent Focus, like you said, is around this notion of having like additional quote unquote independent options in the market. Uh, We have a lot of companies already in the market uh, that have, you know, they're either big media companies or they're TV makers themselves, you know, with like Google with Android TV and Amazon, Fire TV, Samsung, uh, LG Electronics have their own. Uh, operating systems, you know, Comcast is in the game with X-Class TV in the U.S. and Sky with uh, Skyglass in the U.K., but, you know, they're all attached to larger companies. So, uh, and then, you know, one could argue that maybe Roku is an independent smart TV OS player. Yeah, there's been some rumors that maybe they're they're going to uh, build their own uh, TVs at some point, and, you know, that can kind of change the dynamic. But, uh, there are a couple of recent moves uh, kind of in that direction uh, for, for like an independent OS for smart TVs. Uh, the first one to bring up is Xperia. You know, they own TiVo. They're getting into the smart TV game starting in Europe. They announced Vestel as their first partner. So they're going to work with, and Vestel works with brands like Panasonic and Hitachi and Sharp and some more localized brands in the Europe, in uh, Europe. So those TVs are going to start hitting some European markets earlier, uh, early next year. And then the other one was Foxum in Germany, and they came out with a new operating system based on the reference design kit, which is an open source platform managed by Comcast, Charter, and Liberty Global. Uh, and even though RDK is attached to these much larger companies, you know, Foxum is billing itself as an independent supplier of an operating system for set-tops, streamers, but connected TVs as well, and and maybe connected TVs that uh, a pay TV uh, operator could distribute. And uh, and their first pay TV deal was actually in India. So, but I think that they want to use this to expand their presence in Europe and maybe make a move uh, to the US. 
So that's kind of a quick synopsis of yeah. that part of the market. Um, what pretty does important. It mean from a, yeah. Oh, sorry. What does it mean from a, a competitive standpoint? And are, are they, um, you know, shaking things up with some of the incumbents at all? Or um, is it, it, you know, are these just kind of smaller alternatives? Yeah, I think that they would love to be shaking things up. <laughs> so to speak, uh, I think they, you know, I think they, they're kind of positioning themselves or at least believing that, you know, they can come in and, and shake things up. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have to, you know, we'll have to see where they are, you know, maybe a year from now. Cause I mean, there's some pretty big companies, you know, they're coming up against like, uh, you know, Google has a pretty good, uh, grip on the market with, with Android uh, TV Roku, at least in the U.S., has been pretty good. Uh, you know, they're trying to get into other markets. Just this week, uh, just before we talked, uh, that they announced that they're going into Germany with a couple of uh, of TV partners. So it's definitely getting uh, more competitive. Um, I guess the question is going to be: Is there room for everybody, or you know, does the market become overly? fragmented and mm-hmm. if you're a consumer you know what what really matters to you do you care uh that it's android tv or it's some or it's a tivo based thing like what what uh what Xperia's doing um so we'll just have to see how that goes but mm-hmm. it, it kind of comes about with this bigger shift toward like integrating connected tvs and less so on standalone streaming devices uh you know the idea being oh it's it'll be easier for the consumer you don't have to toggle from one input to another but if you're the platform uh it's you want to be tightly integrated because then you have more opportunities to keep consumers on your platform make money on the platform itself so that that's kind of the one of the big drivers there now on your end i'm just curious like what's your your setup, you know, do you care if it's an integrated smart TV or are you happy with a standalone streaming device? Does it matter to you? Uh, we have um, our setups. We have a smart TV um, that uh, is like a Amazon fire TV. And then I like, I've been happy with that. Um, it's really easy to use and to add um new apps and, and different streaming services to it. Um, so I haven't, I really haven't thought beyond that too much what's under the hood, <laughs> right. but um, I yeah. mean, I, I like the setup that we have and um, we ended up getting fire sticks uh, for our other TVs. And then we also have uh, Chromecast as well. So we're probably, <laughs> you know, maybe overdoing it a little yeah, bit. Pretty good mix. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think, yeah, but I think you kind of it illustrates the situation in the market, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have kind of a mix. You you haven't just zeroed in and said, "Well, you know, here's how I'm going to set up my house." And and I think there's yeah. a lot of consumers, maybe in that same boat that that uh, have kind of a mishmash uh, versus um, gravitating to one one platform. You know, we we have the same situation here. We have Roku's and and I have a uh, an integrated Google TV with, you know, with Android TV, that's pretty slick. But then again, we have Comcast here with X1 and, and everything's 
a lot of the stuff we use is like integrated into their platform. So I end up mm-hmm. spending a lot of time just on that versus toggling off to the Roku, unless there's an app on the Roku that I want to use that isn't supported by X1. So then it gets a little complicated, but, uh, and then my son just got an Apple TV and I helped him set that up. And uh, once I kind of got used to it, it's like, wow, this is pretty slick. I was um, mm-hmm. uh, actually impressed by by that platform once I once I kind of figured out how to use it <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, there, it was a little bit of a learning curve. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, same with you know, if you have a Mac, it's a little bit of a different mindset mm-hmm. you have to get into, and then mm-hmm. like, all right, this but is once you're cool. in, you, you're like, yeah, right. once you're in, you're like, all right, I, I love it. Like, but this um, is pretty comfy. Yeah. This, yeah. That's a uh, interesting um, to, you know, I hadn't really, like I said, given it too much thought, but, but now that we're discussing it, I, I think um, our setup is a bit based on what a hard, you know, what TVs we already had and then sales right. going on and, and swapping things out and then making the older TVs function like the new smart TV and, um, yeah, maybe what was available on on Prime Day <laughs> to right. help us update. So, um, I, yeah, I'm curious if other uh, consumers uh, are set on one. You know, like I, I, they only want Apple TV or only want Roku, or if they're in a similar boat of we're just trying to make everything a little bit smarter. <laughs> I suppose if that makes sense. Yeah, I, w- I think for a lot of these players, the the you know the opportunity is when you're ready to actually buy a new TV or uh, get rid of an old one, and you know those cycles are pretty long. So the question is, hey, when when somebody does come into that position, or you know they're ready to buy a new TV, what do they do? Yeah, you know, do right. they really pursue some sort of integrated thing? Because you know a lot of the TVs out there uh, you know, already have some sort of platform tied in. So how does that drive your buying decision over just price and the size of the TV and, you know, the, the, the typical ways we used to think about the TV. It's a little more complicated decision now. Yeah. And then I think there's also a factor of, uh, you know, demographics and, and age brackets. I know my mom's more comfortable with a typical set top box Um, she she just knows how the old guide works (laughs) with Mm -hmm. cable and everything. Uh, I tried to, you know, sorry, mom, (laughs) tried to explain (laughs) to her how to use like, you know, the fire stick and stuff. And she's like, this remote, it doesn't have any numbers on it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good point. It doesn't. Um, so I think there's, you know, some people are just comfortable with, um, what they've always had, which is fine. I mean, there's, there's still a market there for that. Yeah. But yeah, learning curve, you know, to kind of reach that part of the market and to get them to jump in. I think that, uh, there is that segment of the market that, uh, is not kind of champing at the bit (laughs) to jump in and, and figure this out. You're right. They're kind of happy with, uh, uh, you know, the status quo of what they've had. Yeah. Meanwhile, over here, we're just acquiring more TVs based on, uh, you know, my husband's um, video game systems. <laughs> like <laughs> that require apparently that needed a new TV. So uh, who am I to, to stop him from that? <laughs> but anyway. Oh, you're nice. I like that. <laughs> I was like, I'm oh, encouraging sure. him. That's good. I like yeah. It. <laughs> 
on sale. Okay. Uh, so we have just a few minutes left. Um, wanted mm-hmm. to see if we could do a quick update on the Comcast and Charters mobile strategies. I think Moffat Nathanson put some new um, uh, new report out. So what what's going on there? Yeah, so kind of against the backdrop of what's going on in home broadband, uh, which for these cable operators, the, the, the pace is slowing down. So it's like, hey, what do you need to do? What, what's your new growth story? Uh, and what can you do to and you know, hold on and retain these broadband customers uh, as, as the market does become a little more complicated? And, uh, you know, after... Uh, some fits and starts and uh, over the years, it, it feels like you know, the cable industry has uh, kind of figured out the model uh, for them with mobile. And that is, you know, you're not sa- selling it as a standalone, but yeah, you're coming in as an MVNO and, and requiring consumers to, uh, um, you know, if you're going to get mobile from them, you got to take their home broadband service. And, uh, and it's worked out pretty well so far, or at least the, the, the game plan that like Charter and Comcast and to a lesser degree, Altice USA has done. Um, but to your point, you're asking about the numbers. And yeah, the recent one at the end, the second quarter, those three, they added 703,000 mobile lines. They're up to like 8.4 million, which is a nice big round number, but it's still just like 3% of the U.S. wireless market, uh, mm-hmm. according to Mavid Nathanson. And then they estimated that U.S. cable pulled in like 43-plus percent of like the net mobile ads in the quarter. So that, that's pretty uh, significant. Um, and then there was another report that just came out from Navi that, that kind of sizes up the performance of the different carriers uh, with respect to the plans that they put out there and you know, charter particularly and Comcast as well, maybe to a little bit lesser degree have kind of, uh, we're kind of uh, leading the way kind of in that value or entry level market. And because uh, they're kind of keeping it very simple with, you know, buy the gig or unlimited and uh, mm-hmm. not, not throwing in a lot of perks and you know, complicated uh, tiers and you know so far that's worked out for them. Uh, they've been able to grow their base pretty good, even though they're kind of limited to the uh, you know marketing that within their cable footprints versus like a national offering. Right. Yeah, I was, I was looking at your article and I, th- I think it was interesting. They were, um, uh, I think it was Charter was pointing out the benefit of uh, having a bundle. Versus, you know, somebody like T-Mobile, he said, it's fighting on a standalone basis. Um, or, or sorry, that was uh, Patricio Picard, uh, Navi's chief product officer. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. He, he was talking about the value of the yeah that bundle. And, and because mobile's not the centerpiece, um, mm-hmm. you know, for that bundle versus like T-Mobile, which mobile's the... The centerpiece, and they're they're kind of going at uh, going about it the other way with home broadband with five G. Uh, so th- it's kind of a, a similar idea with bundling, but you're just kind of flipping it around, yeah. I guess. Yeah, in terms of what you're leading with. Yeah, yeah. and I, I wonder from a consumer standpoint um, how 
you know, how desirable some bundles like that are. Um, I, I remember I was looking at updating my mobile plan and I was like, oh, if I update it, I could get Hulu in there as well. But then I, you know, did the math and realized it would be way more expensive per month. And it's just cheaper if I stick with the grandfathered in plan and get Hulu on my own. Um, so I, I wonder if other people are are thinking about that or if it's, um, you know, just an ease of use having a bundle um, ready there for you. I'm just, I'm just curious, um, just kind of thinking out loud about how uh, people's mindsets are around those types of bundles now. Yeah, it definitely takes a little more work to kind of figure out what kind of true value you're, you're getting mm-hmm. from, from some of these uh, plans and packages. But hey, good for you for actually doing some of the work on the napkin. To, <laughs> I was to like, wait a second. Figure out. It's like, wait a minute, this sounds great. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Maybe it's not as great. And it all depends on what your usage too, right? Because right. when you look at uh, what... Comcast and Charter have like if you have the unlimited plan, it's unlimited. But then once you eat up twenty gigs or whatever it is, you'll you'll be dialed down. But uh, on the cellular network, but you know we're, we're kind of still in this stay at home situation. People are, are pretty good at connecting their phones to Wi Fi when they're home, so you're offloading a lot of that data. So they kind of maybe that balances it out for some people. Right. Um, yeah. But we did find out one thing. So we we have a kid who plays with baseball, right? And when uh, they have this app where you can keep track of what happens in the game for people who can't be at the game, but they also have a streaming component where you can stream it live on your phone. And uh, we had to help out this time. And then all of a sudden, uh, at the end of the weekend, we got a little note from our mobile provider telling us that you know, we had pretty much eaten through almost oh, all no. of our cellular data because we were <laughs> streaming the game and you know, we were on a buy the gig plan. And yeah, we, we, we like blew right through that. And you know, that was an interesting use case that we hadn't really done yet. And I was like, yeah. wow, we already chewed through all that. Wow. Um, that's wild. Yeah. So you, know, you have to balance all those things. Like what is mm-hmm. your usage? Uh, yeah, what, what, you know, do you need unlimited buy the gig? Do you need, like a premium unlimited where, you know, even if you go through past 20 gigs, you know, your, your speeds aren't going to be dialed down. So right. consumers have a lot to, uh, to manage. And I think mm-hmm. for the, the way that like charter and Comcast are going about it with uh, kind of in the, the, the more simplified uh, value side of the market uh, with, with, all the inflationary pressures and, and people, some people tightening their belts, uh, the evidence or kind of illustrates why uh, their approach is, is you know, pretty popular at the moment. Yeah, that's a really good point with um, the about inflation and and people just being careful about their spending. Um, that's, that's also really interesting. Your story about um, baseball. You might need to sign up for the premium unlimited plan. It I sounds we, like we're going to have to maybe transition to unlimited. Uh, yeah, during the baseball season, and then we yeah. can talk, go back to to buy the gig uh, when we're past it. But uh, yeah, I was surprised. I was like, wow, I didn't realize. We had already blown through that. 
Yeah, it, took, it seems like, like such a, a cool service until yeah. you realize, oh, <laughs> I can't pay for it a little bit more than I thought. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Well, uh, no crying in baseball and no crying for uh, how much data bill. you're using, right? Well, I guess <laughs> yeah. you, you can cry over your mobile bill, but yeah, not over baseball. Right. Maybe. No crying yeah. in baseball. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Well, <laughs> I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Um, thanks, Jeff. This has been really interesting. Appreciate the updates. Sure thing. Happy to join you here once again. Thank you so much, Jeff, for taking the time to talk today. And thank you to our wonderful producer, Pierre Landrio, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.